And she's like, pip, pip, cheerio, bip, boppity, boop. <laughs> and like hops in the convertible. And I'm like, yeah, you really threw him off your scent there. Hello, hello, hello. hello. Happy pod girl summer, everybody. Bus. Now they're bus. Club. <laughs> Private chat. Uh, fucking subway uber club. another club another club <laughs> yeah we hope uh, everybody's summer is off to a good start hope you're you're staying cool in the sweltering heat you have to stay cool for the summer a la demi lovato mm-hmm. die for each other mm-hmm. love one another i don't know the lyrics actually <laughs> die for to. each other wait yeah it's like da, don't da, da, tell da, your da. mother don't tell your mother Kiss one, one another, another. Die, die for each, each other. other. <laughs> yeah. Wear it cool for the summer. Yeah, so that's the vibes that <laughs> we're going for. <laughs> yeah, that is the vibe. We were just talking about Olivia Rodrigo. She released a new single, Vampire. Yeah, it was good. I liked it. I liked yeah. it. I was a fan. Yeah. The girl has her finger on the fucking pulse. I was bro. like, she's done it again. She's done it again. And obviously, <laughs> great voice. Great lyricist. She is the – I don't know. I know it's bad to compare people, but I would say Taylor Swift was the great lyricist when we were kids, and now I feel like Gen Z gets um, Olivia Rodrigo as this great, like, sad girl lyricist. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. the vampire situation is coming back. Like, people are now into vampires again, and I just feel like she knows what's in and is utilizing that to her advantage. Absolutely. Great visuals. We have a lot of like twilight illusions. She's laying in the meadow. Yeah. And then we also have this social commentary. We have like allusions to her performing at the Grammys. And then we have stuff kind of about like grooming in an older relationship, which is like very yeah. much in the zeitgeist right now. And there's like, I mean, not to speculate too much about somebody's personal life, but there are like two potential guys that like this song could be about that she dated between when she was like 18 and 20 and she wrote this album mostly when she was like 19 so i'm very interested to see this like older teenage perspective because obviously sour was very much her kind of like 16 to 18 years so i'm intrigued to see this kind of journey into adulthood and Mm -hmm. what kind of reflection that's gonna bring it was just a single right Mm-hmm. Just, okay, okay. Yeah, the but album. album yeah, coming. it's coming out in September. Oh, wow. Exciting. Yeah. Maybe we can actually get tickets when she goes on tour again. Hopefully. I would love. Yeah. But Speaking of, <laughs> very quickly, I will say I bought Jonas Brothers tickets. Yes, you did. I'm so fucking excited. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be amazing. I absolutely purchased them before really nailing down who would accompany me. <laughs> right. But that's and details, details, <laughs> details, details. I am like heavily considering like, okay, should I keep it and like go with Josh who it would just accompany me? He does not care about the concert right. or should I like sell the ticket and go solo? And I just, I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but I, as long as I have the tickets, I can breathe a sigh of relief. If you have no one, like, in particular in mind, you could always post on, like, your close friends and be like, yeah. would anybody be interested? Let me know. For sure. Yeah. Any any listeners who are like, I've always wanted to go to the Jonas Brothers tour in the Northeast 
with Mariah. <laughs> with Mariah Cruz. <laughs> Hit us up, let us know. Yeah. Um, yeah, lots lots of fun stuff coming this summer. Yes. I'm excited. But before we get too into it, should we talk about today's movie? Absolutely. Pod Girl Summer. We have to do a travel movie. Like, yeah. is it Pod Girl Summer if we're not doing a movie where a small town girl goes to Europe? No, it's not. That's the answer. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> so today we are covering the 2011 classic. That's generous. <laughs> Monte Carlo. Yeah. So this was your your first watch of this yeah. film, capital F film. Oh, my gosh. It was so crazy to see because this is like young Selena, young Leighton Meester. We have Corey Monteith. Yeah. Just um, people who I really like admired growing up. I especially admired Selena Gomez. I was completely obsessed with her mm-hmm. and it really kind of brought me back even though I haven't seen this movie just like gave me that nostalgic feeling of growing up and seeing a like Latino woman in TV and being like oh I want to be her I want to be an actor mm-hmm. and yeah I don't know I I really admire Selena and all that she's been through and yeah I hope she's doing well yeah and especially you as somebody who loves Paris I feel like this is just all right up your alley I do love Paris it was just so weird (laughs) because I I feel like they didn't do a good job of covering where they were Mm -hmm. in the different spots because Well, they weren't really in Monaco. They were for a few days. So okay, okay. one of our fun facts is that they did film for four days in Paris, right. two weeks in Monaco, and then the rest was actually in Hungary uh, with Budapest doubling as both Paris and Monte Carlo. So they also, obviously, gotcha. all the interior shots, those were done on like a soundstage, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Budapest, they actually shot the majority of it in. Yeah, that makes sense because I feel like especially in Monte Carlo, there was a lot of like interior shots Mm -hmm. so that we couldn't see any landmarks. (laughs) Um, I've also heard that Monte Carlo is very private. Like Mm. you can't really, like people are really secluded up on mountains that you have to drive around to get to. But the thought of her, and I'll talk about this more later, her going to Europe for the first time and just seeing the view from the Eiffel Tower and like the Arc de Triomphe and seeing all of this architecture that you've never been exposed to before was very mm-hmm. like, oh my God, like yeah. I remember when I did that for the first time and that was really awesome. Yeah, for sure. I'm like, God, I need to travel. I want to travel so bad. Um, I know. Yeah. This is so not related, but um, Matt and I were actually a couple weeks ago discussing like, oh, like maybe we should save up and try and take like a trip next year because yeah. we've never traveled together and then i'm looking at all these like incredibly niche places in europe that i are like extremely difficult to get to i'm like oh what if we went to georgia or like what if we yeah. went to this like random little island in spain and then it's just like absolutely impossible to get there Damn in it. a timely or budget-friendly manner so then we were like, okay, maybe let's not go to Europe necessarily for our first trip. So we're actually going to go to New Orleans next year, which will <gasps> be fun because I've never been. You're gonna have so, so much fun. yeah. We're going to have so much fun. And it's also very romantic. It's very French. So, you yes. know, 
It's yes. that's gonna be that's that's the plan. So those uh, are my my travel plans for next fall. So nice. I was gonna say if you did want to go to like a European vacay and pay mm-hmm. less, if you go to like an island off of Greece that is not Mykonos, like right. one of the smaller ones, it's gonna be way less expensive than going yeah. to like the fucking place that everyone talks about all the time. Mm-hmm. So the main issue is that it's just so expensive to fly anywhere from yeah. Canada. Like specifically I think flights are really expensive right now too in yeah. general. Like I would look at flights flying to wherever we were looking from Toronto versus New York and it's like minimum three hundred to five hundred dollars more expensive, which is uh, crazy. That's so crazy. Yeah. yeah. But in any case, before I completely derail us, shall we talk numbers? <laughs> the numbers, baby. Yes. <laughs> They had a $20 million budget, and I'm assuming most of that went to the fucking travel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it made $39.7 million in the box office. The reception was pretty, like, lukewarm to cold. Yeah. People really regarded it as kind of just like, oh, kind of charming, but ultimately unnecessary, and I'm like, okay, fair. Yeah, sure. Okay, you got my ass. <laughs> But did I have a good time? Absolutely, I did. Yes. So. <laughs> but yeah, this originally is based on a novel called Headhunters by Jules Bass. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you the plot of this novel, you'll be like, how the fuck are these two related? But basically, <laughs> it's about four ordinary New Jersey women, a lawyer, a nurse, an Avon lady, and a modeling agent. They go to Monte Carlo to spend a week in the playground of the rich and famous, posing as four of the world's wealthiest women only to discover they have attracted the interest of four charming, elegant men who are enjoying the masquerade. Mm. So different vibes. And initially they were going to make this movie starring Nicole Kidman and Julia Roberts. That's (laughs) such a different movie. A completely, (laughs) completely different film. Like, what the hell? But then the producers were like, actually, let's shift gears. We're going to shoot this with a younger cast. But Nicole Kidman did end up producing this film. So she was a producer on this movie. That's very cool. Yeah. Pretty wild. I think that's pretty much all we wanted to say for the background. There isn't, like, anything incredibly juicy going on. Yeah. Um, There's, like, some niche knowledge that I have that I don't think many people will find interesting, but the Butterworth brothers, uh, Jez Butterworth, who wrote hit Broadway play The Ferryman, um, was initially supposed to write this film, but then, you know, when it was obviously Nicole Kidman, Julia Roberts, but then got fired when they hired the the actual director and it turned into this (laughs) movie. (laughs) That's crazy. But I feel like The Ferryman and Monte Carlo featuring Selena Gomez <laughs> yeah. are like different vibes. So probs for the best. Yeah, different universes for sure, for sure. Um, with that being said, I mean, I'm very excited to get into it, but before we do, the Patreon movie episode is out and about. And this month we are doing Perks of Being a Wallflower, divisive, I know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I will say Despite the casting choice, yeah, it is a really good movie. And I remember reading the book as a kid, and I was very, like, hauntingly um, familiar. 
Yeah. You know? For sure. It's, it was, I'm really, I enjoyed getting to rewatch it because I have not seen it probably since I was in high school. Very similar right. to 500 Days of Summer, similar time frame. Once again, mm-hmm. the Smiths are very much involved. So present. <laughs> so <laughs> it was, uh, once again, cool to revisit something from my teenage years. So if you would like to listen to that episode or you would like voting power in next month's patreon movie head on over to patreon we do a new bonus episode every month as picked by the patrons so yeah feel free to check it out with that being said should we fly right into it yeah (laughs) should we take the worst tour bus in the world right into it uh (laughs) so awful So we open up on a small, rural Texas town, and we see our young heroine, Grace, Miss Selena Gomez. She's a server at the local diner. Her best friend, Emma, played by Katie Cassidy, is also a server. And while she's working her shift, she notices the popular kids in her high school. They come in to eat. She has to go over and serve them very much uh, diner girl, Sam Montgomery vibes. And she's trying to talk to them about graduation. And they're just like, okay, can we order now? And they set up the the idea that Grace is, like, unpopular and a loser. And similarly to Sam Montgomery, we don't know why, because she seems perfectly nice and normal and beautiful and just, you know. Yeah, it's weird how every time there is a movie like this, it's either the popular girls hate you and you're a loser or – you are the popular girl. Like, no one ever just has friends yeah. that are normal. <laughs> no. Her only friend is this adult woman who works at the diner with her, and everybody in school hates her inexplicably. But we then cut over to Emma. She is at the counter when her boyfriend, Owen, a.k.a. Corey Monteith, comes in. He says hello, gives her a little kiss, and we see Emma slip some tip money into a jar labeled Grace's Paris Fund. So she's a girl with some dreams. Yeah. Small town girl, big city dreams. Classic. Just a small town girl. (laughs) So we cut to graduation and the valedictorian, who I believe was one of the girls at the booth. Yeah. When I almost called her Sam. (laughs) (laughs) What's her name? Grace. Grace. Grace Bennett. Yes. Who is the girl in the booth from when Grace was serving them at the diner? She's like, we made it. (laughs) These were the best four years of our lives. But there's a whole world out there. And as she's speaking, like, there's a door opening. And I, like, become conscious again. And I'm like, they're in a gym. Like, I have never seen a gym graduation. I feel like it must be a small graduating class to just have it in a gym. Because at least, I mean, we – It was a pretty big gym, though. That's true. That is true. Because I'm wondering if they ever have it at our at my like high school in a gym. They usually have it outside, but I guess if it's raining, they probably have it in the gym. How big was your How big was your graduating class? Something like two or three hundred. Yeah, this looked to be like fifty. Right. Yeah. Not small big. town. Yeah, small town. 
Oh, I did want to say the opening where we see this small town, aside from the Texas elements, looks mm-hmm. very much like where I grew up. Like, oh, yeah. Just like Dairy Queen. Mm. A street. <laughs> Main Street. Uh, Taco yeah. Bell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Main Street. Main Street. Yeah. Very suburban. Mm-hmm. And all they looked like Connecticut except for the big <laughs> open fields. Except for the Longhorn uh, in the right. background. <laughs> right. So – the door opens in the gym, and Miss Leighton Meester, mm-hmm. as Meg, Grace's stepsister, comes in just like, oh, my God, like, I interrupted everything. And I felt like this was the weirdest way they could have introduced her because we mm-hmm. find out later she's very, like, straight-laced and put together. So I was just confused why they had her enter late. Through the fire exit, when apparently <laughs> this was exit. her high school and she would know – that's the fire exit. I should not come in through that door. But yeah, weird. Alas. So she does enter, and everyone like is completely dead silent for the time it takes her to go from the door to the seat. And she has to awkwardly make her way through. But after the graduation ends, um, Emma comes over and hugs Grace and congratulates her. And Meg just absolutely judges. Emma on her outfit. She's wearing like a shorter dress and heels. And she's like, um, there are children here. Just unprompted. Uh. <laughs> so, so rude for no reason. Were you picking up some vibes between Meg and Emma? No, I wasn't. I was like, that would have been an interesting twist because they like hated each other so much. I was like, why? What happened? I did want to know why they hated each other. I thought maybe they had, like, a friend breakup. Mm. But um, in one scene, she just briefly says, like, oh, I remember being at high school and whenever that Barbie could be bothered to show up, referring to Emma. Mm -hmm. But they never say why she hates her other than, I guess, her not being good at school. Like, I don't know. She's stupid, I guess. And then she's like, I fucking hate you. (laughs) Yeah. You dumb bitch. So it is a very unexplained – so many things are unexplained. You kind of just got to go with it and do the mental gymnastics. Yeah, just fill in the blanks for yourself. Whatever whatever keeps it interesting. (laughs) Yes. But Grace asks her mom what Meg is doing here. They obviously don't get along. And she's like, I know you forced her to come. I think her mom says she decided to come. She wanted to be there. And then Robert – Um, Grace's stepfather makes them all get in close for a photo and Emma tells Pam, Grace's mom, not to worry about her daughter on the trip to Paris because she's going to take good care of her. And we can just see her absolutely like watching her child's life flash before her eyes as Emma's saying this. Oh, absolutely. Also, the mom is played by the one and only Andy McDowell. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. How is she in this movie right now? And also, isn't she the mom of the now uh what's what's her name? She wore like a really raggedy outfit to the Met Gala. Which one? <laughs> that could be the so short many people. black dress. Oh, Margaret Qualley? Yes. Yeah. She is Margaret Qualley's mom, which always like strikes me. Mm-hmm. Always strikes me. I yeah. know someone who they're always like if your parent is famous, you need to have the same last name as them. You don't get to fucking change your name and pretend like your parent isn't famous. You have to have the same last name. It's her dad's last name. No, it's not allowed. <laughs> she has to be Margaret McDowell. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to take the famous parent's last name. It doesn't matter yeah. who it That's is. The, them is the rules. Yeah. I do want to see her in The Maid, though. Yeah, I've I have heard it is very that. good. I've heard that, like, Margaret Qualley is very talented. So I'm like, that's totally fine. You can be a Nepo baby as long as you got a little a little talent in you. Yeah. Nepo baby, that shouldn't be it. Lily Rose Depp. I mean, I haven't seen The Idol, but I can. I haven't seen it either. I, I can't put it together from what I've Were seen. Were you the one who sent me the TikTok, though, that was like The Idol is based on Selena Gomez? Yes. Yeah. So it's all related. It all comes back together. Yes. But because <laughs> The weekend and Selena Gomez dated. Dated. Yeah. And there's a lot of parallels between Lily Rose Depp's character and Selena and kind of the tumultuous time she went through around like 2017. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Who's to say? The people on TikTok, apparently. Yeah, right. So, we go home that night. Everybody sits down. They're eating some Bon Voyage cake, except for Meg. because She's like, no, I can't possibly eat that. And Robert surprises Grace with a graduation present. It's a brand new suitcase. He's like, oh, it'll take you all the way to Paris and to NYU in the fall. Go Violets. (laughs) Go Violets. Go Violets. Go Bobcats. (laughs) So then Robert and Pam spring on everyone. Let us not forget the flight leaves tomorrow Mm -hmm. that they also bought Meg a ticket to Paris and she will be joining them for some sister sisterly bonding. So as if this girl has nothing planned. And honestly, it seems like she hasn't. So good for it's them. It's true. <laughs> yeah, apparently Meg has not a single thing planned for the summer and is also ready to fly to Paris at a moment's notice. Has all the luggage she could possibly need. The passport, everything. Yeah. yeah. So obviously Meg is pissed and she has this one-on-one conversation with her dad and he's like, well, I think you would have said no if I asked you. And she says that all through high school, all she could think on the few occasions Texas Barbie made it to class was that when she did go to Europe, she wanted it to be with Emma Perkins. So clearly there's a lot of animosity between them. Yeah. And she doesn't get why Emma is going when she'd be just as happy at a Six Flags on beer night. And Robert just tries to calm her down and says it'll be fun. But she's like, I'm not Grace's babysitter or her sister, like no matter how much you try. And Robert is like, I am <laughs> not your enemy. <laughs> I'm trying to make things better. And mentions that she only has one year of college left and she has stayed in every weekend since the funeral. So we understand that her mom passed away. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you should be going out with friends, living your life. It's what mom would have wanted. And then he touches this charm on her charm bracelet. It's the Eiffel Tower and says of all the places her mom traveled, she always said Paris was her favorite. So pulling on the heartstrings. Yeah. Like I, I like this setup. I think we're we're putting some interesting things in the mix. I would have liked a little more development with this whole kind of mom backstory, we get a little bit, little bit of it yeah. in some points, but I was kind of like, oh, maybe when she gets to Paris, like she will like see a place where her mom took a picture, or like she'll find her her mom's like lock on that bridge with all the locks on, right. or something like that, that will like connect the two, and she'll be like, oh, now I'm gonna go live my life. But we don't really get anything like that, and I'm like. Ah. What a missed opportunity to really pull at the heartstrings. Exactly. It was kind of left up in the air. 
there are a couple of things about her that I had questions about. I was like, where was the closure with your mom? Or did you just kind of realize that you needed to like be spontaneous? Why are we not talking about your eating disorder? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just little things like that. For sure, for sure. And, like, Meg is, to me, like, the most interesting character and has the most interesting arc. Mm -hmm. I agree. But I still wish they had done a little more with it, and I think they could have afforded to, but. Yeah. It would be cool if she was the main character, even though Grace is the one who has the doppelganger. Yeah, because honestly, Grace is not that interesting. Sorry. And honestly, (laughs) Selena Gomez isn't that great on the other role. Yeah. Leighton Meester is kind of. Doing a lot for this movie, if you ask me. Kind of carrying a movie on her back. Yeah. Lane Meester and um, the other Timothy Chalamet are kind of doing a lot of <laughs> like work in this movie. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet Lane is doing a lot of heavy lifting. But in oh, any yeah. case, we go over to Emma and Owen. Uh, they're in his truck, and she says, you know, at least on the bright side, Robert is upgrading their tickets. Not that it'll make much of a difference anyways, because everything is so much better in Europe already. And Owen is just like, everything? And then, well, what about me? He then asks Emma not to go on the trip. <laughs> <laughs> this is absolutely absurd Mm -hmm. like absolutely (laughs) so she says you'll be fine it's a week and then he says marry me i don't know how to tell you this brother but it's ain't it (laughs) no it's ain't how you make a lady stick around Mm -mm. this is not how you make a lifetime commitment my friend no so emma shockingly is thrilled And he's like, yeah, you know, we've been serious for a while. I'd been thinking about asking you. And she's like, let me see the ring. And he's like, uh. He's like, a what now? (laughs) A what? A who's a what? (laughs) Which, what's, what'd you say? What's up? And he doesn't have one, obviously. Yeah, because he just decided to do this. He's like, oh, she's going on a trip. Better lock her down now. Mm -hmm. So Emma asks if he would be asking her to marry him tonight if she wasn't headed to the city of love tomorrow. And he's like, isn't it called the city of lats? And she says something big is about to finally happen for her. And he chooses now. And Owen says that he has everything he wants right here in this truck. What about you? And she very reasonably says, I've never even been out of Texas. That's pretty wild. I mean, Texas is a big state. Yeah. But there is such a difference between staying close to your roots. Like, if you want to live in Texas your whole life, that's totally fine. But you should at least, if you have the ability to go out and travel, see other places, see how other people live. Expose yourself to new experiences, learn about the world, and – you know, you have this great opportunity. You're young. You get you can go to like expand your horizons even for a week. Take it. Mm-hmm. And Owen is just like, well, go on then. Have yourself a real nice trip. And then just opens the car for her to get or opens the door for her to get out. And I'm like, you're fucking insufferable. Yeah. And then Emma slams the door and says, I will. I'll send you a postcard. And I'm like, if Good you're that, you. if you're that worried to let her take a trip for a week, you never had her. Right, right. 
that's the thing. So we go back to Grace's house and Grace and Pam are talking and Grace thinks her mom just doesn't want her to go to Paris alone with Emma. And she's like, of course I don't. Yeah, you got me. (laughs) But also I know that like Meg will be a responsible adult. And Grace says that this trip is the only thing that's gotten her through high school and that this trip is going to change her. And Pam is like (laughs) the only reasonable person in this movie. She just says, you know, it's not magic. And Grace says that Pam has a new life with Robert and she's happy for her. She just wants to go find her own without Meg. And Pam says that nobody wants her to go find her life more than she does. So, yeah. It is interesting, the thought that, like, going to Europe or whatever, like, that idea of, like, oh, I'm going to be a totally different person when I come home. And ultimately, like, you're not going to be a totally different person, but you're going to have more insight and new experience. And maybe you'll find out that you like different foods or that you like different places or what you do like in the place that you live, you know? You get, like, perspective. Exactly. Like, just a broader worldview. Yeah. But I do – I do hate the complete, like, romanticization – romanticization? Romanticization. Of traveling. Yeah. Of, like, oh, my God. And, like, it's going to be just this thing. Like, I'm going to feel uncannily, like, connected. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, that probably won't happen. (laughs) But there are so many – fun things you look forward to when you're traveling yeah. that are tangible and real. Definitely. Yeah. And before we know it, the girls arrive in old Perry. Wow. They hop straight on their tour bus, which has a million bajillion stops, except they literally just like drive past everything super fast. They have to race through museums. They don't get to like see or actually experience anything. Yeah. So they yeah they only get like 20 minutes in the louvre like it's just criminal the way that they this tour guide is rushing them through everything and this is why i don't do tour guides because i think it's better to just come up with a list of things that are actually important to you to see like i get that there's certain landmarks that's like oh if you're there you have to see this landmark but if you don't you the person don't actually really care about that thing then don't waste your time on it spend like dedicate the time to the things that you are genuinely interested in that you really want to see and do more this is my travel tip do like experience things one thing that i love to do when i travel is like take a cooking class in that area Ooh, how fun because then not only do you gain skills you get to eat delicious food and also usually it's taught by a local and you get to like talk to somebody who lives there and learn more about just daily life so that's my hot tip take a cooking class wherever you go but in any case they go to the Sacre Coeur, and as the tour group goes inside, the girls are just marveling at this view of the city until they're interrupted by this tour guide's whistle. So they start heading up the stairs to rejoin the group, and Emma wonders how everybody moves so fast, and Meg says it's because they aren't wearing four-inch hoochie heels. Shout out to whoever wrote that in the script. Yeah. And then shout out to whoever wrote the next line where Emma says, let me tell you something about shoes, Meg. If they ain't hurting, they ain't helping. So Emma then starts going up the steps when she decides to lean on the shoulder of some random man to take her shoes off. And this random man is not, in fact, a French guy, but an Australian tourist 
Meg is intrigued by him. He is intrigued by Meg. And as she's walking up the steps, she accidentally trips on her way up the stairs. And oh my gosh, he catches her. Talk about a meet cute. And then he says, watch your step, precious cargo. And then she's like, good day, <laughs> and runs up the <laughs> stairs. And uh, some of you may recognize this guy as the dude from The Holidate. It is that same actor. <gasps> That's where I know him from. <laughs> yes. Oh, I was like, he looks so familiar, but I could not put my finger on it. Mm-hmm. And you know what else he's in? This absolutely god-awful movie that I watched the other night called Maybe I Do, also starring him and Emma Roberts. And... I thought it was going to be so good because the parents are played by, let me tell you about the stacked cast. Yeah. Susan Sarandon, William H. Macy, Diane Keaton, Richard Gere. And you're like, what? What the hell? How could this be bad? It was horrible. It was not a good movie. (laughs) So do not watch it. Sometimes they throw people together and they shouldn't. And honestly, you know who carried the whole movie? William H. Macy. I didn't expect him to be the one, but he did. William H. Macy is the dad in Shameless. Yes. Right, okay. Yeah. So we go to dinner and <laughs> and it's like, oh, well, this is a comedy because they put like a steak frites down for everyone, I think. And then before they touch it, they immediately take it away. And then they yeah. give them like a souffle or whatever and they take it away. And it's just like, okay, I get it. The tour's fast. Moving on. Yeah. (laughs) The girls go to their hotel room, and it just doesn't look anything like the photos. It looks dingy. The cot, like, slams closed on Grace. But she's like, guys, let's make the best of it. And Emma is searching for an outlet because she wants to charge her phone to make sure she won't miss Owen's apology call. And she wants them all to pretend that she's having a really good time if he calls. And Meg is like, no one is having a good time. And Grace is just like, how can you complain right now? We're in Paris. Also so fucked when Emma and Grace have been saving up for this for years and Meg just gets to go there for free and she's the one complaining. I was going to say that. Okay. Can we talk about that for a second? I don't know <laughs> yeah. if it's a thing where the stepdad is like has more money than right. Grace's mom. And so they aren't like – it would be weird if he paid for Grace's trip, mm. but it's not weird for him to pay for Meg's trip, and she's also, like, older. But I was like, if you really are trying to do this family thing, right. doesn't it seem weird that you only paid for one of your daughters to go to Europe? I guess that's why he upgraded everybody. Kind of like a slap in the face. For sure. It is implied that, like, Robert and Meg – were probably more wealthy than Grace and her mom because uh, based on Meg's attitude and her sort of like uh, subtle classism towards Emma. Subtle is a really nice way to put it. As subtle as in extremely upfront. And um, also there's that scene like when he gives her the suitcase and it's supposed to be like this fancy brand and Meg is like, oh, it's a whatever this fancy fake brand is. So like – they both have knowledge of higher class brands, so it's insinuated that they probably are of like a higher economic status. Yeah, I would assume. But <laughs> I I could see this coming a mile away. Yeah. That 
she was looking for this outlet. And so Emma finds it and she plugs in her US plug and it just shorts out the neon sign in the front of the hotel. Classic, stupid American. Classic, like plug in the device and black out everything. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also like, damn, this happened to me when I was in Germany. But in my defense, I was using a converter. Mm. It just turns out my steamer was not didn't have dual voltage on it. Mm, yeah. So we go to day two. The bus finally arrives at the Eiffel Tower, the main event, and we're on the observatory deck. We see Emma notice this guy looking at Meg, and oh my God, it's the Australian man. They share a little smile. He comes over to say hello and introduce himself. His name is Riley. And, you know, it's very, it's very rom-com-esque. Grace then notices as she's looking through the little binocular thingies that their tour group is heading to the bus and leaving without them. So the girls have to drag Meg away from Riley and they go through some stairs that you're absolutely not supposed to go through and run all the way down all of the stairs at the Eiffel Tower to catch their bus. But unfortunately, they don't make it in time. Yes, ma'am. And Miss Selena Gomez in her cowboy boots, skinny jeans, and tank top just throws her bag on the ground and sits in the dirt. And Meg says, this tour is ass. And I'm like, this girl would not say that, but whatever. Yeah. Grace is pissed off, and she's like, yeah, you're right. I single-handedly chose the worst tour company in all of Paris. And Grace is just, like, really upset. Obviously, this trip is not aligning with her vision, and Grace tells Emma that she's sorry she wasted all of her savings, and she's sorry that even Meg got dragged into this, and she's sorry that she ever thought she was the kind of person who could come to Paris. And she storms off. Traveling is hard. It's a rough time. Tensions can be high. Yeah. So they have this intense conversation, and then that night, the girls run through the rain to the closest hotel, and some paparazzi start taking pictures of Grace because... They think she is someone else. Mm. So they go inside and the girls follow Grace to the bathroom. Meanwhile, at the concierge desk is Grace's doppelganger, <gasps> a.k.a. Cordelia Winthrop Scott. And she asks for her ticket and itinerary for her trip to Monte Carlo in the morning. She's just like a nasty lady. So Grace has run to the bathroom and the girls try and comfort her as she cries, but she just goes into the stall to be alone when in waltzes Cordelia on the phone complaining about how she's still in Paris and her mom is forcing her to go to some charity thing to repair her reputation. And then she hears that her friend on the phone is in Majorca and she's like, oh, I could hop on a flight and be there tonight. I'm not even going to check out. That way my mom won't get suspicious. And this is when Cordelia finally notices that, like, Emma and Meg are standing next to her, soaking wet, just gawking at her. Mm -hmm. And she leaves. Once she's gone, Grace comes out of the stall and she's like, oh, who is that head case? And the girls are like, oh, my God, she looked just like you. And they pull her hair back oh. and they say it's uncanny. If only you were British. Then as they leave the bathroom... Grace imitates the posh British accent, and she's like, oh, I hate poor people. I don't even want to see poor people. And as they're walking through the lobby, the front desk staff see Grace, and they mistake her for Cordelia. 
And they're like, oh, Miss Winthrop Scott, thank God you're still here. The courier has located your package. And they're just like, oh, no, there's been a mistake. And the staff are like, yes, we're so sorry for our mistake. Your package will be here in the morning. In the meantime, per your request, they pull, they bring a little room service cart over with a giant tray on it. They reveal a 26-pound lobster, the most comically large lobster I've ever seen. Yeah. And the girls are, in fact, seduced by this crustacean. And Grace says... I shall take it in my room. <laughs> so later that day in the hotel room, the girls have devoured the lobster and they lay on Cordelia's bed. Maggie doesn't want to stay, but like Emma and Grace are like, shut up, get under the covers. But she's like, you know, I'm only here until it stops raining. And Emma turns off the light. So naturally, they all fall asleep in the morning. The phone mm-hmm. rings from the front desk and They're telling Cordelia that her car is here. So the girls go downstairs trying to, you know, get out unseen because they did just steal someone's hotel room. We see the bellhop wheeling Cordelia's 18 trunks and various pieces of luggage. The concierge runs up to give Cordelia her package. And Emma's like, Grace, just, you know, take the package, take the package. And they (laughs) then get ushered into the car as there's a ton of paparazzi outside and grace tries to say no 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 we'll walk and he's like oh you can't walk to the airport and they get in the car and this is where things really start to get illegal because they open up somebody else's mail which is a crime and the mail is in fact cordelia's travel itinerary to monte carlo So Emma wants to go on this trip, and Grace is like, well, it is already paid for whether Cordelia goes or not. But Meg, the only person with logic here, says, no, it's stealing. We'll get caught. We can't do this. But Grace says, well, if we do get caught, then you'll be able to say, I told you so. And this is enough for Meg, apparently, to now suddenly jump on board with um, fraud. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. So the girls get on Cordelia's private jet, and there's actually a copy of Hello Magazine on the jet where Cordelia's on the cover. She's a aloof heiress with a bad reputation. <laughs> so I think they have this conversation briefly, too, where Grace is like, what have I done? And Meg is like, what haven't you done? So they arrive in Monte Carlo where they are driven to a gorgeous hotel and waiting for them is Bernard and Theo, Marchand, father and son, owners of the Children's Foundation. And Grace is like, oh, these are my friends from the States. And Theo says he will escort them to the Prince's Ball tonight, being thrown in her honor. And this is just like a very much like, what? It's thrown in my honor moment? Oh, me? Yeah, she's like, oh, who am I? <laughs> And Cordelia's many pieces of luggage are brought into the suite, and once all the staff is gone, Meg and Grace are like, we have to get out of here. But Emma says Grace will be fine. She just needs to keep up the accent. Like, no one's going to know. And Meg says this was never part of the plan. And also, like, at this point, Grace is like, yeah, we we have to – it's going too far. Yeah, this is fraud. (laughs) Right. But Emma says that their problem is they're exactly alike. 
And I was like, T. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And if they want to plan, the plan is go to the ball. Real Cordelia gets to play hooky and we get the vacation that we deserve. Mm-hmm. Would you do it? Do you think? Oh no. I don't think I could. <laughs> I don't think I could break get on the, the plane. law in a foreign country. Yeah. Like it's one thing when they do the hotel room in Paris and it's like, oh, we're just here for a night and then we go. But like traveling across borders, I think is where. I draw the line. Yeah, and like, can I get clemency? If passport control is involved, I'm out. I'm gone. Oh, but I guess once you're in Europe, you're in Europe, so they don't have to check your passport. No, but wouldn't you need an ID even if you're crossing a border? Like an ID of some sort? I mean, not if you're flying private because like they can mm. fucking do whatever they want. Um, I think. Like you wouldn't have to go through immigration necessarily. Right. But that's only if you are like an EU passport holder. I don't know. I actually don't know. I guess I I don't know. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna like just have a blind eye because yeah, it's just better that way. <laughs> but it is yeah. questionable. I don't think I could do it because I do feel like it would be. The gravitas in here in this movie is very light and mm-hmm. almost non-existent. Right. In real life, it's a crime. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a full crime. I'm like, if we're yeah. in the world of this movie, I'm like, sure. But if we're in the real world, no. Right, right. I'm not, I'm not trying to get arrested. But apparently in, in the world of this movie, the cops literally don't care about anything. So, mm-hmm. say la vie. Then we go to a montage because it's fun times, happy times. We see them unpacking. (laughs) Fun times, happy times. (laughs) They unpack Cordelia's many, many trunks full of tons of makeup and shoes and designer clothes. And Emma puts on this gorgeous gown and Grace starts tearing up at her wearing Oscar de la Renta. And I'm like, Emma knows designers. Meg, she knows what's up. Yeah, she's not an idiot. It just seems like we don't know anything about her. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. and she's pretty. So they're like, she's stupid. Yeah. She's a big old dummy. And Meg then tells her to save her tears for the police as she walks in also wearing a designer gown herself. Emma then opens up this bulletproof case, which doesn't have a lock on it, apparently. So I'm like, what's the point? I love that <laughs> you said bulletproof case. Is it actually bulletproof or is it just like the little, the like, like ridged? The, yeah. Ridge. I don't know. I just assumed that it was like one I'd of love those... to believe that it's an unlocked bulletproof case because that's hilarious. <laughs> it's like one of those little – because it's not like her other luggage. Like it's an individual like right, right, right. armored case for this – clearly very very expensive necklace it's the biggest like bulgari necklace you've ever seen in your lifetime does bulgari have it like that i feel like uh dime i i we also i don't know if we ever find out if it's like diamonds or sapphires or i don't know i mean they definitely have like some big ass pieces of jewelry that they pull out of the vault for like various red carpets Mm mm-hmm let me like do a little research on this necklace. I'm being I'm being mean. Bulgari's pretty renowned in regards to jewelry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess I always feel like 
when they do big pieces like that, I'm like Cartier or right, whatever. I mean, it's it's most likely a sponsorship, right? Because I'm not really seeing like this being a real necklace anywhere. Mm-hmm. But they do make sure to show the brand name every time they open that box. Yep, yep. So then the time has come for the ball, and we have one of my favorite moments in every rom com where the girls step out of the elevator and walk down the stairs in slow motion in their beautiful gowns. We have a Bright Lights in the City remix going on in the background. They look amazing. And who is standing at the bottom of the stairs staring at them in awe? Oh, my God, it's Teo. And he is played by Pierre Boulanger. You know, he walked so Timmy could run. This is also his first (laughs) English-speaking role. He's like a famous French actor. And he, you know, drinks them in for a moment before being like, you're late, and walks into the ball. And they're like, oh, my gosh. He's got he's got a little something to him. Frenchmen always surprise me in that I think they're going to sound like really, like, sexy and, uh, like, their cadence of the voice is going to be beautiful. And then they speak and they're like, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it sounds like you got shit in your throat. They sound good when they are speaking French. Only. It's it's English's fault, really. <laughs> not the, right, not the right. Frenchmen. <laughs> also, I feel like French men have this sweaty, hot look mm-hmm. to them where it's like you don't have AC in Europe. You don't really wear deodorant, but you look way hotter than an American man. Yeah. Maybe it's just the fashion, but yeah. It makes me think about, like, you know that sound on TikTok where it's like, when a boy's room is messy, it's like, ew, that's disgusting. And when a girl's room is messy, it's like Sofia Coppola. Like, that is... Sofia Coppola. (laughs) It's that same dichotomy with, like, when an American man is sweaty, it's disgusting. But when a French man is... nasty. When a French man is sweaty, it's Sofia Coppola. (laughs) Yeah. Let's make that a TikTok sound. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll make that happen. When a Frenchman is sweaty, it's the hottie in Monte Carlo. Mm-hmm. It's Timothy Chalamet. Mm-hmm. It's it's a white billowy shirt. When an American man is sweaty, it's nasty basketball shorts and a sweat-stained tank top. <laughs> oh lord. <sighs> I'm sorry to all the American men out there, but yeah. you're just not doing it like the French. <laughs> Certainly no. Where were we? Oh, yeah. Uh, Owen. Speaking of American men. <laughs> oh, my God. Owen. Meanwhile, back in Texas, <laughs> Owen is sitting in the diner, and the boss asks what he's heard from the girls in Paris, and he's like, nothing much, throwing himself a pity party. Mm-hmm. And the boss is like, Paris is far out. They don't call it the city of love for nothing. And under his breath, Owen is like, it's the city of lights. (laughs) And then he decides to call Emma. But her phone is back at the hotel. They've abandoned all of their belongings in that hotel. That they have. (laughs) I'm surprised they even have their passports. Mm -hmm. And the phone's answered by just this, like, grungy man at the front desk. So, of course, Owen thinks Emma is off with another guy, and he's like, okay, like, fine, and drives <laughs> off. And we're like, what's he going to do? Yeah, the man is a loose cannon right now. <laughs> I'm like, 
You've had money to go abroad? You've just been sitting on that? Or you, like, fucked your savings? Saving it for their future, I guess. Corey Monteith can do no wrong in my eyes. I'm like, even though this character is so annoying, I love Corey Monteith. So I'm like, oh, Owen. (laughs) I I don't think that he is – like a bad person at no. all or like like I think he could be a respectful king if it were not for that terse like car exchange where he doesn't want her to leave. Absolutely. I'm like yeah. I get that you just you you were scared. You acted in a moment of desperation, but hey, maybe let's just like communicate those feelings instead yeah. of proposing to someone. And honestly, not dissimilar to what Finn does in Glee when he proposes to Rachel because he's afraid to lose her. Oh. So, I'm just saying. Meanwhile, back in Monte Carlo, we're at the ball. Grace is worried because all these people are staring at her and she's like, do I have some sort of wardrobe malfunction? And Teo says, no, it's because of the necklace for your donation. Ha, 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 for it's because of the necklace. Friday's Sorry. auction. <laughs> And then Grace is like, oh, Friday, so I'm going to be here all week. And Teo explains that his father plans to build 20 schools with the money that they're going to get from this necklace. And we see kind of like posters and photos of all these schools that they built in Romania. And Grace is really impressed and says that's so amazing. So many lives will be changed. It almost makes dressing up worth it. And I'm like, what do you mean? It, that helping thousands of children almost makes what you putting on a dress and looking beautiful worth it. That is one <laughs> thing I don't understand about balls or charity auctions in general. I always just think about how everyone, like, I mean, ideally everything is donated. Like the venue says, oh, yeah, you yeah. can use it for the charity, whatever. Um, but like the money that people spend wearing their outfits or the f- money to cater, all of that stuff would just be better spent going directly to the charity. But mm-hmm. people are so greedy that they need a charity event in order for them to yeah. spend money on something. Because rich people don't do anything for free. They need to right. get something out of it. They need a party and they <laughs> right. need a tax write-off. <laughs> so and Two things, party yeah. and tax write-off. Mm-hmm. So Teo then says some people may be looking at her necklace, but he's been admiring her boots. And we see that Grace is literally wearing her cowboy boots at this ball. Which just no one notices but Teo. Mm-hmm. He's got a keen eye. What can you say? So Teo then introduces Cordelia to Prince Domenico and all the girls rush over. The prince immediately takes a liking to Emma and asks her to dance, which she does. Then across the room, Mr. Marchand and Cordelia's Aunt Alicia. A.K.A. Catherine Tate, comedic legend. (laughs) She's great. So they start walking over, and Meg gives Grace, like, a Cliff Notes version of who she is. She's your aunt, da-da-da, life and family, da-da-da. And Alicia comes over, surprised to see Cordelia. And she's like, I just wanted to verify your presence for myself. And some peace of mind for your poor mother. And Grace tries to excuse herself. But Alicia is like, there's something different about you. I can't quite put my finger on it. And Grace is like, people do change. 
<laughs> and Elise's like, he is hoping. And it's just such a weird back and forth because mm-hmm. she's doing a comedic character, but Selena Gomez is really playing it straight. Yeah. And I feel like <laughs> they're just kind of like ships in the night passing in this scene. Mm-hmm. I'm like, they could have maybe not even been in the same room when they shot yeah. this for all we know. <laughs> and then Grace is just like, I'm bored. Uh, you can report back to mother. I'm doing as told. Now, if you'll excuse me, I want to dance. And she just like goes off with Teo to the dance floor. And Meg overhears Alicia telling Marchand how worried she is about Cordelia. So Meg just takes this as like, yes, you passed. She doesn't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. So we go to the dance floor, which is bumping, by the way. They're playing Micah as well, which was shocking to me that at a ball in Monte Carlo, they would be playing. What song is it? Love Today, I think is the song that's playing. And the Emma's dancing with the prince, and he asks how long she's going to be in Monte Carlo, and she says, as long as possible. And that's when Grace comes over. She tries to grab Emma to get them to leave, but Emma is all excited about the prince, and Grace explains about Aunt Alicia and that they have to be here till Friday. And then Meg comes over, and she's like, Alicia totally bought it. We're all Gucci. But then... Th- Teo, for some reason, like, grabs Grace and pulls her away, and some guy comes up to say hi to Meg, and she just goes, hi, and then walks away. It's a very chaotic, like, 30 seconds. (laughs) Meanwhile, Mr. Cory Monteith has flown to Paris to get his girl back. Mm -hmm. Later on, I'm assuming this is just, like, the next day, the girls lounge at the beach club. Emma is tanning, and she's, like, turning every three minutes. And Meg makes fun of her because she says it's a scientific method. And Meg is like, that's not science. And Emma says that she picked out a dress for her and, like, fixed her eyebrows. Why is she picking a fight? And I got to say, like, yeah, she's totally not being mean at any point. Mm -hmm. She, like, really doesn't dig at her. But Meg is so mean to her all the time. And Meg is like, I'm not. And Emma says she knows what she thinks of her. Meg isn't happy unless everyone around her is miserable. And Meg is like, oh, are you kidding me? I forgot about you the minute I left high school. And so did everybody else besides who drops out for a catalog shoot in Dallas. And it turns out that Emma dropped out of high school, I guess, like, it seems like right before graduation Mm -hmm. to be on the cover of a clip and save. So... Yeah. That's pretty wild. Yeah. And Emma says Meg is just jealous. And Meg points out that Emma is a waitress whose best friend is an 18-year-old and her boyfriend. And to this, Emma says a very common phrase. Yeah. She's like, who died and made you such a – and then Grace is like, Emma, because, you know, Meg's mom died. And Emma's like, that's not what I meant. Like, I'm sorry. But Meg just grabs her stuff and goes. Yeah. And I do feel like this was a kind of stupid scene. Like, I wanted them, if they were going to hash it out, to, like, really really get into it. Yeah. And then kind of, like, break through. But instead it was just, like, passive-aggressive. Passive-aggressive. And then Emma, who – really is honestly nice most of the time, Mm -hmm. says one wrong thing and everyone hates her. And I was like, I hate that. Yeah, it just like, 
the degree to which these girls don't like each other make leads us to believe that like something specific happened but no it's just that like they don't get along and like meg kind of looks down at emma and like that's about it so it was just kind of fell flat for me a little bit that that was the whole rationale and thing behind them not getting along yeah it's just a wasted opportunity i think yeah, I agree because they could have done either more with the fight or more exciting things with the, like between the two of them later on. I don't know. Yeah. And also or, like or, okay. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say or don't fucking put it in. Yeah. Just have them be like okay with each other. Mhm. Also the phrase like who died and made you is usually like who died and made you queen who died and made like put you in charge is usually like the end of that phrase. So it does feel very shoehorned for it to be like, Oh, who died and made you such a asshole bitch, whatever the end of that sentence was supposed to be an asshole bitch, (laughs) like whatever it's supposed to be. Um, doesn't really make a lot of sense. So it just feels a little contrived. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, We'll get to it, but yeah, yeah, a couple of things felt very like, why did you pick that? There's like a more natural choice. Yeah. Um, but the most important thing about that scene to me is the incredible navy blue one piece that Leighton Meester is wearing in this scene. Leighton Meester has the best outfits. So good. She has the best outfits in this whole movie. And her cover-up for the one piece, that beautiful yes, pink cover-up. The, the peach like button-down dress. Yeah. With the belt, bro? stunning she went from the beach tonight that is a day to night outfit yeah (laughs) transitions seamlessly (laughs) she looks comfortable and cute every day Mm -hmm. just like on a european getaway i love that she wears this outfit for literally the rest of the movie um because that means i get to see it on screen the whole time but in my letterboxd review for this film i literally just wrote i need that blue bathing suit and the peach cover up and mm-hmm. i need it now because that yeah. outfit is stunning like the neckline on the bathing suit especially it's like a square neckline with like a kind of a little bit of like a sweetheart detail in the middle yeah so classic so timeless yeah i feel like it would look good on you because you look good in like classic i'm trying that's what i'm trying to find so if anyone knows where i can find a swimsuit like that hit me up let me know so we then go back to owen who has arrived at the hotel in Paris, he's trying to explain to the guy at the front desk that he's looking for his petit ami, Emma. (laughs) And he shows a picture of Emma literally from her catalog shoot. And he's like, oh, yes, I know her. She's gone. She's gone. She left. (laughs) She left all of her shit here, too, by the way, if you want to take that. So then back in Monte Carlo, Meg has gone to lay down on another spot at the beach when who emerges from the water? Oh my gosh, it's the Australian man, Riley. He is also in Monte Carlo. Also, a very weird detail, he's wearing his boots at the beach and I'm like, that's so weird. But it gets even weirder because later on, Meg is walking on the sidewalk when she is spotted by Riley at his motorbike, who's just brushing his teeth. I'm like, on the side of the street? Weird. But anyways, they they meet again. They're both surprised to see each other. She's wearing the beautiful peach button-down dress with the belt. And he's like, oh, are you following me? And she's like, no, no. And then she leans on his bike and it knocks a bunch of other bikes over and he holds her shoulder. 
and he holds her shoulder to steady and her. And holding her shoulder. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and he's like, oh, where's your bus? And she says, it left them behind. <laughs> he's from the 1920s, see? <laughs> where's your bus, kid? And she says, it left them behind a long time ago. And he says, stupid bus. Stupid bus. <laughs> Sorry, I'm really having fun with the accent work in this movie. Mm-hmm. He, I guess he also has an Australian accent in The Holiday. Yeah, he's just an Australian man. Yeah, but it's funny that they never make him do an American accent. They do in the really <laughs> bad movie that I watched. Oh. Yeah. So meanwhile, Grace is walking back to the hotel when she is spotted by Teo in his convertible hot. hot. Yes. <laughs> And he opens the door for her, and she's like, oh, I'm late. And, oh, because he comes up to her, and he's like, where are you going? You need to come with me right now. Mm-hmm. The she's woman like, is what are you in- talking about? Yeah. It's like, who, what? I just went to the beach. <laughs> and he's like, why are you talking like that? And she's like, pip, pip, cheerio, pip, boppity, boop. <laughs> And like hops in the convertible, and I'm like, yeah, you really threw him off your scent there. <laughs> it's so bad, but it's so good. <laughs> so <laughs> we get on the road, and Meg is riding on the back of Miley's. Who the fuck is Miley? <laughs> Miley Cyrus is in the movie now. Leighton Muster's on the back of Miley Cyrus's motorbike, um, aka Riley. And they cross paths with Teo and Grace on this winding road. Beautiful shot. Meanwhile, Emma goes back to the hotel room where we see the largest floral arrangement known to man. It's huge. It has been sent to her from the prince asking her on a date tonight. Yeah, pretty exciting. Meanwhile, at the market, Riley takes Meg to... Just go see what's going on. And they're having a silly, goofy time. Um, she, like, takes through potatoes and she's like, okay, and tries to juggle. And then they're like, ha, 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 and he juggles them. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Um, it's giving, like, what a girl wants except not with Colin Firth. Just not with your dad. <laughs> yeah. Just – oh, well, I guess kind of like what a girl wants when she goes to the market with – Right. Um, what's his name? Hottie McCotterson. Yeah. With him. Or like in Lizzie McGuire movie when Paolo and Lizzie go to the market. Exactly. A market, great place for a flirt montage. Absolutely. Also, this so this whole movie, I was just – you know, I was watching it and I was like, there's something about it that just feels so like – comforting and warm and i can't quite put my finger on it because it's not necessarily like the story or anything so i'm like what is this feeling that i'm feeling and then i realize it's because this movie was shot on film it wasn't digital and that's why it has that kind of warmer grainy softer slightly blurrier Mm -hmm. quality and i was like we got to start shooting things on film again you guys come on come on bring it back so they juggled the potatoes and then we go to teo at the polo club who has taken Grace and he's like, okay, I got to go change. And Aunt Alicia comes up to Grace. She's already there for the event, but Grace avoids talking to her. She's like, I also must go change. And laid out in her room is all of the riding gear. Turns out, 
Cordelia is an award-winning polo player, and Classic. she has to get out on the field and play with Teo. And for context, polo is an incredibly dangerous sport. Yeah. You are riding on a horse and hitting a ball with a wooden mallet longer than a tall man. And it's just – Taller than the horse. Well, yes. That's it. Yeah. Because you're on the horse. So it's a weird sport and it's also super easy to have the horse going really fast and then lose control of it or like Mm -hmm. topple over and die. Yeah. Like it's it's really dangerous. And so I was like – (laughs) <laughs> what? Like, why is she doing this? It's but not then, a sport you can really wing it on. Correct. I dated a girl once whose father was um, a com- like a, a career polo player. Mm. And I was like, okay, that's crazy, first of all. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, it's really easy to, like, get paralyzed. Yeah, like just get paralyzed because if your horse topples and you're on the horse and the horse crushes you or like you crush your spine, like it's insane. There's balls Um, and bats flying all over the place. Yeah. mm -hmm. Jesus. Count your blessings, Selena. You made it out alive. Right. So they do this polo game and she is not able to keep up. Literally going the wrong way on the field because she doesn't know how to play and – She's like, oh, at home, um, they usually bring the ball to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Teo's like, I'm sure they do. And then Marchand tells Alicia that her niece plays with spirit. And Alicia's like, hmm, she usually has more finesse than spirit. And I'm like, row. Yeah. Your lies are showing. Meanwhile, Riley and Meg are just living their rom-com fantasy. They're in this, like, secluded area of the beach, jumping into the water from, like, this really big rock elevation thing, just enjoying each other's company. They lounge on the dock afterwards, eating snacks from the market, and they talk about how he's Mm. a nomad, he's a traveler, and she asks how long his trip is, and he says, I'll let you know when I'm done. And she asks what his parents think, and he says that they were just happy to see him walk out of there. And naturally, she's curious because what an interesting sentence. Turns out he was in a rugby accident and was in the hospital for about a year and couldn't walk. Sports are just dangerous. Yeah, that's my big takeaway. We got to get our kids out of sports. Get them out of sports. Get them to hit the books. They don't hit back. (laughs) Everyone just needs to do, like, calisthenics, okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah, do a nice low-impact sport, like swimming. That's a great one. Beautiful. Yeah. He says that his teammates would come visit him at the start when he was in the hospital, but eventually they stopped because he just became a reminder of what could happen to them if they had a bad fall. Sounds selfish, but okay. Mm Mm-hmm. So once he was back on his feet, traveling just seemed like a good way for him to find his way back and, you know, find himself again. And Meg is clearly very emotionally moved by this. And he notices and says, you must miss your mom, which implies that I guess she's told him about how her mom has passed. Which we never see. No. Like, I thought when he said, well, she says, like, oh, what? They thought you weren't going to walk? And then he's like, yeah. And she's like, Mm -hmm. I hate hospitals. I thought that's when she was going to tell him. 
because that would have made sense for us to see. I assume there there must be a deleted scene. Like maybe that market scene was longer and she like mentions about her mom. But yeah, he somehow knows. Mm-hmm. And Meg says that she can't find her way back and talks about how when her mom was sick, she went to see her in the hospital every day for two years. He says that's a long time, but she says not long enough, which is really sad. I can't imagine. It's yeah. Hard. She says that everyone was so nice and understanding and tried to be there for her, but all she wanted to do was scream. And he tells her to do it. Scream. Like, I I won't even listen. And he covers his ears. Scream, bitch. And she she does, like, laugh at him initially, but then says she can't. I fully stand by what I said about Leighton Meester killing this role. Mm Because even in these intimate conversations you can tell you can see on her face there's like pain there's the desire to like turn over this new leaf and there's this like thing that she's battling with to be reserved and to be free and let herself go and she just makes it very clear so I found it very compelling Mm -hmm. to watch her yeah she like she put in the work she's done the character work on her own she spent time crafting a little backstory for herself and now everything comes together and we can see the whole story in her eyes even if the dialogue isn't necessarily really serving that yeah yeah and so to see that and then go back to selena and be like you are just like emoting so much yeah you're playing the page yeah but we gotta read between the lines come on (laughs) sis Come on, sis. Yeah. So we go back to the polo match, which is continuing. Grace is just trying to like hang back, not get involved. But Alicia notices a little something going on between her niece and Teo. They're chatting it up. And she decides to call Cordelia. And Cordelia picks up. She's like, hello, this is Cordelia. Who is this? Who is this? (laughs) Of course, her aunt puts it together, and she is like, okay, that is not my niece. Hangs up the phone, doesn't say she knows, doesn't do anything. She's just, Mm -hmm. like, unbelievable. And in that moment, Grace hits the ball, and it somehow hits just the right angle to, like, uncork a champagne bottle and uncork all the ones around it to show, like, champagne squirting from behind Alicia's head. The craziest thing to me is that all of these bottles of champagne are just sitting there with the cage off. That's a disaster waiting to happen. That's why you don't take the cage off until you're about to open the bottle. Tell them. Tell them how it works. Yeah. Tell them how you open champagne. Otherwise, it could just pop on its own and fucking take someone's eye out. It could kill someone. It's dangerous and it's negligent. And whoever arranged that fountain of champagne bottles and took the cages off. You are negligent. Yeah. Yeah. Fired. So don't ever do that. <laughs> if you're watching this movie and you're like, wow, that looks so cute. Don't do that. Keep the cage on. <laughs> so after this polo match, Alicia goes up to Grace and decides to test her and brings up that darling pony she had as a girl. What was its name? The black one with the little white star on its head. And Grace is like, oh, yes, I called it Blaze. And Alicia is like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Alicia's like, you are full of shit. Mm -hmm. She says the resemblance is astonishing, but Cordelia rides English saddle. And you 
clearly were taught to ride western. <gasps> oh my god. So Grace is like <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Grace is like just a little out of practice that's all and alicia says this is low even for cordelia to hire a lookalike to stand in her place at the charity event or she's off partying and grace says i don't know if it's the champagne or the sunlight that's got to you but alicia is like all right i'm gonna call security on you right fucking Mm. now and grace begs her not to and promises to do whatever is expected of cordelia tomorrow but she's not going to stand in the way of those kids getting their schools is she and this appeals to alicia which i honestly didn't see coming like i i wasn't sure what to make of her character mhm like she comes off as this like prim and proper lady and there's also like a little tidbit that's thrown in that her husband like mysteriously died and i'm like did she kill her husband yeah um so i was like she's going to double cross her right or she's going to ask for money or something but she's just like all right Marchand then comes over and alicia whispers to grace that no one must ever know that she's taken Cordelia's place. And before she leaves with Marchand to meet the ambassador, she whispers to Grace that if she messes up, her and Cordelia will both have her to answer to. So that night, Emma gets all dressed up for her date with the prince, but something is missing. So she's like, why don't I go to that super special case and <laughs> get the biggest necklace I've ever seen to wear The tonight. unlocked bulletproof case with the million mm-hmm, bajillion mm-hmm. euro necklace. Yes, yeah. sir. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we cut back to the stable where Grace is brushing her horse down when Tio comes in and says, oh, you ride very well. And Grace says, it's one of two things my dad taught me. I can't do it. <laughs> She's talking now. <laughs> it's one of two things my dad taught me. Is it though? <laughs> There's this woman who I'm sure you've seen her. She does like that vodka drink if she drinks it in like one stir of the straw. She's like, I'm out here. We're going to party tonight. Here's my drink. I have not, but okay, I need loves. to. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll show it to you. Yeah. It, I don't think you would drink the drinks that she's making. It's very, like, flavored vodka. Right. But she's, like, a great vibe. And um, mm-hmm. she has, like, I think her accent is Irish, but I don't know from, from where. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll send that to you later. <laughs> but she says that her dad only taught her two things – um, this and also how to whistle and like demonstrates. And Teo tries to try it out and whistle, but he can't do it properly. And they like try to work together to teach him. <laughs> and then he's like, love it when men says this, you're different than I expected. <laughs> you're not like the other girls in Monaco. <laughs> yeah. You're not like the other heiresses. Mm-hmm. And he's like, different is good. You make me feel different. And Grace is Forward. Like, I know. I'm like, well, let's have a romp in the hay show. <laughs> it's French, oh no? <laughs> so Grace says sorry and he asks why and says mostly he always feels the same 
always the same people, conversations, parties. None of it means anything. But Grace is like, you help people. Like, I wish I was part of something that important. And Teo says that's his dad. It's not him. He's never been to the schools. He's just faking his way through. And Grace is like, hmm, I know what that feels like. <laughs> I, and too, Teo- have committed fraud. <laughs> yeah. I, too, illegally act. <laughs> and Teo is like, there's nothing fake about you. And then he asks to show her something. So that night, Emma goes downstairs where the prince is waiting in his car for her. And as they drive down the road, they pass by Meg and Riley, who are on his motorbike. So they make eye contact and decide to make their respective men stop their vehicles so they can have a little chit-chat. And um, Meg tells Emma all about her day with Riley and that they're going to go meet his friends and go dancing. And it's been Mm. so great. And Emma's like, oh, my God, who are you? Like, this is amazing. And the girls both apologize to each other and they make up and they hug. So everything is all hunky dory now. And that's when Meg notices that Emma is wearing the necklace and is like, hand it over. I'm going to keep it for safekeeping in the most insane decision I've ever seen in my life. Instead of just letting her wear the necklace to a party that will be heavily guarded because there's a prince there. Right, 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 right. She instead is like, give me the necklace and I'll put it in this grungy ass backpack of a man that I just met. On a motorcycle. Yeah. That's safe. That's that's the smart adult decision. The best thing to do is for me to put it zippered up, all Mm -hmm. crumpled and crumpled, zipper it up in my pocket and – drive off i i have expected the bag just to fall off as soon as they rev up the motorcycle which i thought would be hilarious there's got to be holes all up in that right shit. right i'm like okay so when are they gonna lose it yeah that was my first thought when, when are they gonna lose it into the lining of the bag because surely yeah. it's not staying safe like not even your own purse his bag? Oh, I thought she has like a big leather bag that she carries around. She does, but she zips it up in his backpack. Why? Because that's why he Bro. ends up with it. Yeah. Bro. Okay. Mm. So meanwhile at the club, Riley and Meg are in line to get in when Meg is like, why don't we just sneak in? And they like duck around the tape or the rope rather and just sneak in behind the bouncer. And I'm like... She's like, I'm already committing one crime. What's another? Yeah, let's sneak in. So then on the yacht, the prince brings Emma to his yacht party and Emma sits at the dinner. Everyone is speaking in French. She doesn't understand a thing. No one is making an effort to translate. And the servers are trying to clear their plates when the prince accidentally bumps the plate with his glass and just like glares at the server. And I'm like, you see them collecting the plates. Just put your arms down. Yeah. Or be like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. My bad. So Emma actively hands her plate to the server to try to help. And the prince is like, "Um, we have people for that. And Emma says, I know. And then gets up, grabs a big old tray, and tries to assist the waitresses. So... She's like, classism, not today, Satan. Yeah, the illusion is shattered. Meanwhile, Teo brings Grace to a special spot with a special view of the city. 
as we hear La Vion Rose playing in the background. They sit together overlooking the water. And she says when she was little, she had a snow globe of the Eiffel Tower that played La Vion Rose. And when she shook it, the snow sparkled. Aww. And this scene is very romantic. I really like this scene. It's also very beautifully shot. And she starts humming along to the song, saying it was magical, just like this. And he says, just wait. And then the fireworks start up over the water. <laughs> and we have this like really beautiful montage where we see like the two of them under the fireworks. Mm-hmm. We see Riley and Meg dancing at the club underneath the fireworks and... Once again, Leighton Meester doing all the heavy lifting in this movie, giving us a whole face journey as she watches the fireworks. And Emma sits alone on the other side of the boat, watching them burst above. Wow. So Teo brings Grace back to the hotel, and she tells him she had a lovely time today, and he says he did too. She's about to confess who she really is when the elevator opens, and she gets in and says, maybe tomorrow. And he's like, okay, see you at the auction. And I'm like, yikes. Yeah. (laughs) So the elevator opens on her floor and Grace heads back to the room where she finds Emma in bed watching a Grace Kelly movie in French. And Emma talks to Grace about how on Hastings Ave in their hometown, all the houses are set back really far. They have these huge front lawns and long driveways. And she's always wondered about the kind of people who live there. And she thought Owen and her would have a house like that one day. But she's like, that's stupid. You know, I don't need a fancy house. I just need Owen. What if I blew it? I have so many questions about this. I'm like, why can't you have a house you like and also the man of your dreams? Well, I don't think it's necessarily like that. I think she just realized that those aspirations of of maybe wealth or of these material things just aren't as important to her. Like her illusion of that has been shattered after seeing like how these rich people behave. And she's like, that's not important to me. What's actually important is my relationship. Mm -hmm. I guess I just found I I wanted her to be like, I want to do more than be a waitress at the like I not that being a waitress is a bad thing at all, but it seems like she did want to have a bigger income and have like a family and have this life with Owen. And I guess I just wanted to see her have some other aspiration mm-hmm. than just marrying Owen. Yeah. There again, it feels like a missed opportunity here for deeper character development outside of her yeah. relationship where because we don't know really much about Emma and what she wants the most we're getting is in this moment exactly and mm-hmm. we're having to you know kind of come up with a lot of stuff on our own to fill in those blanks so yeah I just wish we knew more about her and like the other things that she wants if it is maybe she doesn't want a career at all maybe she wants to be a homemaker like we just don't know right exactly we don't know because we never find out yeah. no one asks her and she doesn't tell us Yeah. so like I just wanted a little bit more because even between Meg and Grace, I feel like I get to know them. Mm-hmm. I get to know Meg the most, honestly. Yeah. But um, yeah, it just would have been nice because for some reason it's framed as like she's like 
well, if you don't let me go anywhere, I'm going to break up with you. Like we can't, Mm -hmm. I can't do that. But in the end, she's like, I never need to leave Texas again. Like I just need Owen. And I'm like, but what if you could do both of those things? Yeah. What if you did them together? I don't know. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I get she's supposed to be the more comedic relief character, But if you're already going to give her an emotional arc anyway, like, give her a good one. Give her one she can really sink her teeth into. Exactly. So Grace starts getting emotional, and Emma tells her not to worry. Like, they're going to work it out. They always do. But Grace is sad about how she's finally met a guy who likes her for her. She's like, it's not about you. It's about me. (laughs) Aye, aye, aye. But Grace is sad about how she finally met a guy who likes her for her, and she's not even her, but she feels like she is when she's with him. And Teo is going to hate her when he finds out. And <laughs> she's like, me, 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 mm-hmm. me, me. Mm-hmm. And Emma's like, once he knows the real you, he's just going to know how lucky he is. You know, I knew from the moment we met that you are going places. And then Grace is just like, where's Meg? <laughs> Again, this would this whole kind of thing would hit harder with Grace if we knew more about Grace's, I guess, life in high school. I don't school. even know what she's majoring in. Like, I don't know what no. her passions are. We don't know what she wants to do. We don't know what she's supposedly going to NYU for. The fact that she's like, I finally met a guy who likes me for me. I'm like, okay, so, like, what are the other guys? What's the history there? Yeah, what's that been about? Has, like, have you had guys use you before or guys don't really see you or, like, nobody likes you at all? Like, what's up? Would love to have known Mm -hmm. more about that dynamic so then this would be more meaningful. Right. There's just more that could have been done to really cement the dynamic. And then that would also make, like, her connection with Teo more meaningful if we knew what they bonded on besides like feeling like fakes (laughs) because that's kind of the whole basis (laughs) for it and that they both want to help people i guess yeah so i don't know you know easy fix they could be like grace wants to be a teacher easy right easy she seems very caring both towards like the animals Mm. and the charity and stuff but it's just like oh so her only personality thing is that she's nice that's not enough. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, though, Meg and Riley, I actually really love this scene. It's so inconsequential, but I think it's adorable. Again, full rom-com fantasy. They're on the street, and she asks him to close his eyes, and then she presents him with a rose and puts it in his hair. I was like, oh, my God. Okay, romance novel cover right now. Ooh. And then she's like, okay, run. And then we see that she has, again, committed more crimes, stolen this flower for some, from some old lady's flower stand, and they go running down the street. It is very cute. It's very rom-com. Like, I want a movie of this. I just want, like, this dynamic. Yeah. Meanwhile, in Paris, Owen has fallen asleep at a bistro, and this, like, policeman makes him get up. And then he notices the morning paper with pictures of girls from the ball, and he's like... That's my fiance. Let my, That's my I need to get my ami. ass on a train. <laughs> He's like, I didn't see a lick of Paris, but I got to get to Monte Carlo. <laughs> so back in Monte Carlo, Meg is actually she's driving Riley's motorbike back to the hotel. They arrive and he is surprised that she's staying at this 
presumably very expensive hotel, uh, gives her her purse back and says, you know, next I'm going to Tuscany. It's not as fancy as this, you know, 10 on the beach, but there's good company. And she's like, I wish I could. And he says that his train leaves at noon if she changes her mind. And then he's, I'm like, oh my God, the charm. He's like, please change your mind. And come with me. Wait, how do you do an Australian accent? <laughs> oh no, am I train slaving? I just, that's not a, I need um, to get back into accents. Because at least I could do a funny one before, even if it wasn't accurate. <laughs> no, I just feel like I sound like insane every time I try to do something. I, I can never quite like nail down an Australian accent, which you would think I would be able to because I went to school with so many Australian people and I've been to Australia mm. multiple times, but I just like can't You've been quite... to Australia? Did you like it? Yeah, I've been to um, Sydney, Melbourne, Perth. I went somewhere else. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, the first the first time I was there, I was really young. So like I don't like have the most clear memories of it. I was probably like, I don't know, maybe six or seven. Um, I did get to hold a koala bear, though. Cute. That was fun. Um, but we were there during the wildfires that were happening. This is in like the 2000s, so not like the most recent ones, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, But there were wildfires and we like couldn't get a hotel in one of the places we were staying because everything was so booked because of the wildfires and we had to sleep in like our rental car for a night. Wow. um, Because we couldn't get a hotel. So that was pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. And then I went in eighth grade. Our eighth grade camp was in Perth, mostly in the bush. So I was in the bush um, doing camp things. And then we went into Perth for like into town for a day. And uh, it was not while I was in the bush, but actually when I was in the city that I, we don't know exactly what happened. Either I got bit by or stepped on what they think was probably a scorpion um, because I had like six or seven like bites or like red things all over the bottom of my foot and my foot swelled up to like twice its size and I couldn't walk. Whoa. Um, so then when we went to tour the prison on this island, um, I had to be in a wheelchair. Oh my gosh. And be wheeled around. And then when we took the giant photo of the entire eighth grade class, I'm in the front in a wheelchair. Um, <laughs> you were like, I love this attention. <laughs> this was is like, exactly well, what I wanted on my trip. Great. I love being a painfully shy 13-year-old and having everyone be like, can I wheel you on the wheelchair? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that was my experience. <laughs> You're like, fucking kill me, fucking kill me. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, bef- up until my foot fiasco, I like my – I was wearing like uh, flip-flops and the fucking strap like broke because my foot was so swollen. Oh, no. Like, it was crazy town how giant my foot was. They didn't take me to a hospital though, which is crazy, but they just had like the first aid person look at it and they're like, yeah, you'll be fine. They're like, people step on scorpions all the time. <laughs> yeah. You just got to throw your foot on the barbie. <laughs> Pretty much. So, yeah, it was, it was a good time, though. Long story short, I can't do an Australian accent properly. Only on, like, some words. I got to really yeah. study it, really practice it. Yeah, let's practice that. Yeah. Because <laughs> if we're known for anything, it's our impeccable accent work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but anyways, back back in this movie where we have a real genuine Australian man – 
he's asking Meg to change her mind and she hugs him and starts getting emotional and tells him to have a nice trip before rushing back to the hotel doors. But she stops, turns around, runs back and kisses him. Beautiful moment. The chemistry is chemistrying. And <laughs> then she says goodbye and goes back inside. Yes, ma'am. So upstairs, Meg is just on cloud nine when she strolls into the suite and the girls rush over to her. Grace is like, where have you been? (laughs) But also they realize that the necklace is gone and it's worth millions of dollars. And the last person who had it was Meg when she put it in a stranger's backpack. (laughs) And Meg is like, oh, no, I left the millions dollars worth necklace. In a stranger's backpack. (laughs) Right. And he's gone. (laughs) He's gone to Tuscany. Right. So they're like, we have to get to the train station. And they look down to see that the real Cordelia has arrived at the hotel. Yikes. So they rush to get everything cleaned up. They manage to make it look like they were never there and put all of her dresses and all of her makeup back. And I'm like, yeah, and you did it. It's like one of those um, TikToks where it's like, here's what a Chinese woman does when her husband comes home from work. Oh, yeah. And he's like walking in. (laughs) I love They're so good. And she's all the gadgets. It's like that, except there's no gadgets. It just just pandemonium. Yeah. <laughs> they get everything in order. Theo goes over to talk to Cordelia and he kisses her. Bold. He doesn't know better. And he's like, good morning. And she just slaps the shit out of him before getting in the elevator and telling whoever is on her cell phone, I forgot how I hated the French. And I'm like... She looks at him for a second like he's cute and then just like and fair like he did harass her but like he didn't know that. (laughs) It's true. But even in the context of the movie, it's not like they kissed last night and he's like, oh, let me give you a good morning kiss. Like he's like, I'm going in first kiss with this girl 7 a.m. 7 (laughs) a.m. first kiss. It's, it's not actually, for it's me. Like noon, but still. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not for me. No. Um, seven a.m. My teeth aren't even brushed. Yeah, that's not how you. <laughs> that's not how you want your first kiss with this girl to go. Like you want it to be with the fireworks or like in the right moment, not in the morning as she's like walking in after getting her morning coffee. You know. Yeah. <laughs> my breath be smelling like feet. Good morning. I'm like. <laughs> I got a lot of crust in my eye, bro. <laughs> I can't even see you. You're like, literally, get away from me until I've had yeah. a moment in the powder room. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Anyway, should we wrap yeah, this baby wrap up? Wrap her up. <laughs> so they do manage to get everything together so that when Cornelia gets upstairs and enters the room, she sees her tower of luggage Cordelia goes onto the balcony. The girls are just stuck to the wall, like hiding. And she's too focused on her phone conversation to notice anything. The bellhop who's carried all of her bags is like waiting. And Cordelia is like, if you're done, you may go. And the guy is like, damn it. I need to get a fucking tip. And the girls end up having to scale the side of the hotel 
which I don't know if we've mentioned, but Emma is deathly afraid of heights. She's freaking out just being on the Eiffel Tower. And there's no railing here when they're scaling the hotel. And they finally make it to a door where the balcony is unlocked and they're able to like go over. Somehow there's nobody in the room that they can just slip yeah, right whatever. out. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. I I just have to like live and let live. I don't know. Yeah. We have to live in the world of this movie. And right. next thing we know, they get to the train station, but they get there right as that right as that train to Tuscany is pulling out yeah. of the station. But they made it there in like five to seven minutes, yeah. which is insane. I mean, I guess Monte Carlo is a pretty small place when you're like right there. Mm, fair. Meanwhile, Cordelia back in her room, she is on the phone complaining to her mother about how she never gets to see her friends or do what she wants. When is it going to be Cordelia's turn? That's when she looks in the trash can and sees the newspaper with the photo of her and these two random girls at the ball. So then she rushes to her bulletproof briefcase, which has been unlocked yeah. this whole time, to see that the necklace is gone. Shocker. And she screams. So we go to the train station, and Emma suggests they just get on a train and go. But Grace says she pretended to be her, and now the necklace is gone. She lied. She has to go back and fix this. And Meg is like, okay, you know, we'll go back and explain. Maybe she'll understand. LOL. Meanwhile, <laughs> yeah, I know. And meanwhile, on the other side of the train station, Owen is trying to get to Emma. So yeah. they're just missing each other over and over. Wow. Never seen that before <laughs> in a movie. And it keeps on going because guess who gets to the hotel? Oh, my God. It's Riley. He never oh, got no. on the train. Is everyone going to be in the same final scene of the movie we'll have to stick out stick around and watch and find out <laughs> so he goes to the front desk he asks where the grimaldi suite is when the concierge gets a call from cordelia saying she's been robbed call the police and he's like okay i'll call security and she's like no call the police i'll do it myself and while the concierge is busy riley slips away and into the elevator he goes upstairs that's when Grace and the girls get back to the hotel and the concierge is like, oh, Miss Scott, you still need security. Weren't you robbed? And they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> nobody was robbed. Nobody was robbed. Everything's all good. And then, of course, Teo comes over and he's like, Cordelia, the auction. Oh, my God. And she's like, oh, everything's all right. How are you? And he is extremely confused because she slapped him this morning. And he's like, right, 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 he's right. like what's going on? Are you, are you teasing me? Is this a game? And she's like, no, it's not a game to me. And I, I need to tell you something. But then the girls are like, no, it's not the time. So they try and pull her away. But Grace tells Teo she'll be right back. And then she kisses him. And they're like, oh, my God. So then as they go off, she's like, I'll be right back. And he says, the auction starts in five minutes, so please hurry. But he's like a smitten kitten. Yeah, he's like, oh, she kissed me. I guess it's not a game. And I'm like, you're fucked. <laughs> you are fucked. <laughs> so upstairs, Riley starts making his way to the Grimaldi suite. 
necklace in hand. Pulled right out of those cargo shorts. <laughs> right. Just like sand in the crevices. And the elevator opens. The girls run to stop him from ringing the doorbell. And Meg is just like thrilled that Riley came back. She's like, oh my goodness. And he says the necklace seemed like a pretty good excuse to get a second shot. Cute. I'm like, teehee. Oh my gosh. So Meg kisses him and then pushes him into the elevator and asks him to wait for her in the lobby. Meanwhile, Owen has now arrived at the hotel. He's asking oh. where Emma is. And of course, at that moment, the police, they arrive and the concierge rushes over and he's like, no, no, it was all a mistake. But then they go upstairs anyways, because you have to properly investigate a phone mm-hmm. call to the police. <laughs> so we go up to the suite. Cordelia opens the door thinking it's the police, but it's actually Emma, Meg, and Grace who is holding the necklace saying, we can explain. So inside the suite, Cordelia says, explain it to the police, babes. But the girls say, there's no need for that. Like the necklace is right here. And Meg says, it was just a case of mistaken identity that you took extremely far. But Cordelia says it's impersonation, which is a crime, which is true. And she's putting a stop to it. And it is so funny to me how this movie – I mean, obviously, like, Cordelia sucks in other ways. But, like, she is Mm -hmm. correct. Like, her identity was stolen. People have been charging infinite amounts of food to her card via room service. Like It's giving Anna Delvey. Yeah. Like, it's literally theft (laughs) and fraud. (laughs) So Grace then is like, what about the auction? And Cordelia says, there will be no auction now, which I don't know why that would be the case. But – Because she's a petty bitch. Yeah, I guess. And Emma says, people are counting on you. But Cordelia says it's not her problem and reaches for the phone. But Meg stops her. So we go back to the police who just get off the elevator. They hear a scream. I'm like, not great. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, in the room, the girls have thrown Cordelia to the couch and covered her mouth. The police are like knocking at the door. They have her hostage. And I'm like, what's the plan, girlies? At this point, you might as well just fucking kill her then because you're not going right. to get her to just be like, yeah, it's chill. We vibe she now. She cannot be convinced. <laughs> no. Girly pumps. Like, <laughs> so they use a master key to open the door and Meg opens the door herself. She's like, oh, so sorry. It was just a misunderstanding. We just couldn't find the necklace. And then Grace comes out of the bedroom and she's like, oh, we found it and asked Teo to help her put it on. And the police were like, sure, okay, but um, then what about the scream we heard? And Meg is like, oh, she was just so happy that she found the necklace. And Grace apologizes for wasting their time. And the officer offers to escort her to the auction as a precaution. She's like, yeah, perfect. Thank you. (laughs) So they all head out of the room and Meg goes into the bedroom where Emma has tied Cordelia to a chair with belts and scarves and like put an apple in her mouth like a piggy. (laughs) And Meg is like, okay, we'll let you go as soon as the auction is over. And I'm like, you've already gone too far. (laughs) Yeah. Meanwhile, down in the lobby, who sits right next to each other but Owen? And Riley. (laughs) Just brothers in arms. Mm Mm-hmm. So in the elevator, which has literally every single police officer and the detective and Meg and Grace and Teo somehow. 
And mm-hmm. Grace asked Teo to promise whatever happens, he'll think of the girl he showed the fireworks to. That was her. And they are like inches Aww. away. And I was like, oh my God. So they get to the lobby and Owen recognizes Grace and Meg. Meg asks what he's doing here, naturally, and then inadvertently mentions that Emma is upstairs. He immediately rushes to go, and she's like, trust me, you don't want to go up there. So naturally, he thinks that, like... The way that they're phrasing it is bad. Yeah, he thinks that, obviously, Emma is cheating on him. Right. And Meg is like, listen, why don't you just both stay here? I'll come grab you in a second. And Owen immediately disregards that and starts heading upstairs. And as he's going up, Riley's like, mate, Grimaldi sweet. He's like, thanks, bro. Yeah, go get him. <laughs> you got this. Mate. So they go to the auction and Meg and Grace enter together. And they have a sisterly moment where Grace tells Meg she's glad she's here. And they like link arms. And Meg says she wouldn't miss it for the world. And I would be more on board with this if it was like – the only stakes we have here are they're going to get arrested. It's not like right. It but even that feel, doesn't feel real, <laughs> right? It, none of it feels real. Like I don't. I'm not sitting here with bated breath right now. Yeah, I was like, is this the end? Like I kept thinking there was going to be some other thing that goes on, and there simply was not. No. So in the suite, Cordelia says they'll never get away with this, and Emma is like, we have been four days. And then they hear the doorbell and Emma shoves the apple back in Cordelia's mouth <laughs> and says, don't mess with Texas. Sure. It, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so Emma opens the door to her beloved Owen and she is shocked to see him. She's like, oh my God, what are you doing here? And he's like, I've been running all over Paris looking for you. Meanwhile, downstairs, the auction has begun. Millions and millions of euros are being bid on this necklace. Not as expensive as I thought it would be, to be honest. I think it's like 3 million euros is what they get up to, something like that. They start at 1, and then it goes up to like 2.5 or 2.8. Yeah. And then later on, we see Owen be like, 3 million and they're like, yeah. you don't have money. You, I'm like, you yeah. also don't have a paddle. Like, what is yeah. this fake auction? At least make it look like an auction. <laughs> Who set Why this up? Why are there up? no chairs? Everyone's just standing. It's so weird. It's Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so that's happening. We go back to Emma and Owen. And Emma is touched that he flew all the way out here for her. And he says he doesn't want to lose her. And maybe he was trying to fence her in a bit, but he was just worried that once she saw the world, she might not want to come back. Mm-hmm. But he's sorry because he doesn't ever want to keep her from something better because she deserves the best. I'm like, okay, I'm glad you came around to this journey. And Emma says that she already has the best. Aww. And they're about to kiss when they hear a thud from inside the suite. And it is, in fact, Cordelia rocking herself over in the chair. And Owen is obviously like, what the fuck is that? Who's in the room? And she's like, nobody, it's nothing. And he's like, who's in the room? Where's Rachel? (laughs) And then we see that Cordelia has gotten herself free and manages to escape out of the bedroom door into the hallway. That's pretty terrible. (laughs) Yeah. So back at the auction, Marchand 
Marchand. Marchand. Marchand is trying to get the bid up to 3 million euro. Again, the, the <laughs> auction etiquette is so off here. At least make it look like an auction. At least put seats. Why is everyone standing? Make them sit down, give them paddles, have a couple people in the back on a phone and have them like, you know, raising their hands. It doesn't compute, okay? <laughs> But Grace, under her breath, she's like, it's too much. And I'm like, actually, for the size of the necklace and for being a precious stone, I, I actually I feel like it's so. too little. Um, yeah. And then she confesses that the necklace isn't hers. And Cordelia comes in and she's like, it's mine. Arrest her. She's an imposter. <laughs> and Grace is like, it's true. I'm just a regular girl from Texas. I'm no one special, but I had the chance to be, and I took it, and I'm sorry. And she says directly to Teo, I don't expect you to forgive me, but it wasn't all a lie. And he's like, I thought you were different. And then I'm like, did you, where did you get this dialogue from? From a, a little, I'm trying to think of the name for those videos that we watched at least in my school district, we had to watch these things called second step where like a kid would get mad and it would show what they did if they just acted on their anger versus like <laughs> what they could do if they like talk it out. And this is what it sounds like. <laughs> just like, I hate that you said that to me. But no, it's – that's just the closest I could think of. Just like yeah. chat GPT script. Right. You know? So basically – He's like, I'm done. And then Owen bids $3 million on the necklace. And I'm like, why? I think he, I think they thought that was like a comedic like beat. But really, it just makes him look absolutely dumb. <laughs> just so stupid. And Cordelia is like, you don't have any money. And then. True. <laughs> tells the fucking police to arrest them. And I, at this point, I'm like, they did break so many laws. Like, are you. Yeah gonna arrest them are you just like haha lol mm -hmm. and grace says they all came here to help those kids don't let her mistake get in the way of that she doesn't deserve their help but like the kids do and then aunt alicia who actually is someone who cares about charity and philanthropy then bid six million euros and she's like yeah i'm i'm willing and ready to give and you all should be too so Grace yeah. hands her the necklace. I, didn't, I thought she was going to be a jerk because she's like a yeah. jerk to Cordelia. But then I was like, oh, I guess she's just a jerk because Cordelia is like awful. Yeah, because Cordelia sucks. Yeah. So she's like, <laughs> I must defend myself against this devil child. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but yeah, Aunt Alicia, perfectly nice lady. Perfectly fine, yeah. Charitable woman. She's like, apparently. just don't mess up the auction. Like, I don't want to rat you out, but just like don't. Yeah ruin this yeah so <laughs> pretty reasonable for what she's i thought doing. she was gonna try and extort someone or do something yeah. or she was like playing marchant no just a nice lady who cares about charity and just wants some to schools give. in romania to do well yeah yeah <laughs> sure we then have this absolutely fucking bonkers moment between cordelia and the police officer <laughs> when she's like what are you doing 
arrest them. She stole my necklace. And he's like, the necklace is there, no? And she's like, well, she's, they still like kidnapped me. And he's like, and yet here you are. Everything seems okay. Everyone's happy. <laughs> and she's like, I'm not happy. And he's like, there's nothing I can do about that, my dear. And that's it. <laughs> They get off scot-free. It's like the same vibe as Emily in Paris when everyone's like, oh, sucks to suck. Like, yeah. ha, ha, ha. La vie. <laughs> they, there is no resolution. The resolution is that everyone hates Cordelia enough that they can pretend this never happened. <laughs> they can pretend that she was not, in fact, tied to a chair with an apple put in her mouth and had like probably thousands of euros stole from her through hotel charges and somebody impersonated her and wore her clothes and like rifled through all her belongings oh yeah oh they're like "Eh, but you're kind of a bitch no so we don't (laughs) but we don't prosecute (laughs) oh You are a, how you say, cunt, so we know, we do not care. Law don't apply here. Sorry, madame, désolé. Désolé, go get a baguette. (laughs) This absolute, like, caricature that they have painted of French people. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. All right. Let's take her home. So... (laughs) Owen and Emma decide that they're going to head on back to Texas. Meanwhile, Meg has decided to run off with Riley. She has, as we know, no plans for the summer. So she's going to go travel with this stranger and have a grand old time. And she'll be back at school in the fall. Meanwhile, Marshawn has arranged for his driver to take Emma, Owen, and Grace to the airport. Before they leave, Grace asks him to tell his son that she said goodbye, and he was right. She is different. Wow. So finally, we get this, like, epilogue scene where Meg and Riley are hiking, and they both reach the pinnacle of their hike and scream into the ether. Where are they? Machu Picchu. Wow. Owen and Emma have gotten married and moved in, and Owen installs a dimmer in their kitchen. And he's like, see? I thought that was cute. See, it's that easy. Because Corey Monteith is charming. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and she's like, well, it's, you know, the simple little pleasures in life. A little, I love a dimmer switch. I would yeah. be very charmed if a man installed a dimmer switch for me. So <laughs> you, You've got me thinking. I'm like... Yeah. Should I make a little certain someone installed? <laughs> um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. But I think your lights also have to be compatible with the dimmer. You can't just install the switch unless your light bulbs and stuff are okay with it. Yeah, I actually don't know how it works. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's possible. Like, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then if he see- wants to, he will, ladies. <laughs> ladies, if he wanted to, he would. Yeah. Later on, Grace is seen doing a volunteer work at one of the Marshawn schools in Romania, and she gets sent out on an errand to go to, like, the post office and just misses Teo, who is touring the school with the contractor. He's being shown around. Oh He's he finally finding- made it. Exactly. He's finding out where the money goes. He wants to make sure that they're making an impact and – He's turning a a new leaf. He's getting involved. He's not faking it anymore. Mm -hmm. So when he 
goes up to like a certain floor. He sees Grace riding her bike through the window and just like runs down and he catches up with her and whistles to get her attention and she like stops on the bike. Wow. And then comes over to him. She's like walking over slowly holding her bicycle and she's like, hey, oh my God, what are you doing here? And he's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, I'm volunteering. Hello, my name is Grace Bennett. And they reintroduce themselves. Start over. Wow. And that's Monte Carlo, baby. Wow. What a film. <laughs> if you're looking for a fun summer romp with the girlies, watch yeah. the movie. Paint your nails while you're watching it. It's obviously flawed. It's not very deep. <laughs> yeah. You've heard our, our extensive commentary on it, but... With that being said, it's still, like, a fun time. I had an enjoyable time watching yeah. it. You just, like, don't take it too seriously. Kind of meet it where it is. You can enjoy the beautiful scenery and the really nice interiors because there's a lot of interior shots. Yes. Um, but, yeah, if you're looking for something with more depth, I would say this is maybe not it because there are a lot of missed opportunities, I think, character-wise. And just plot-wise, like, the climax of the movie comes very, very late, and it's resolved very quickly yeah. and in a kind of insane way that is so out of the realm of reality that it's hard to believe. I feel like they took too many notes from the Lizzie McGuire movie Mm-hmm. And they really tried to like blend it into. I think they wanted to make a new, more modern Liz McGuire movie. Yeah, but um, yeah, I feel like for me the biggest flaws were the pacing and the lack of character depth. Yeah, because with the Liz McGuire movie, we've already had an entire series. Yeah, we're already very fond of Lizzie as a person. We know a lot about her. And that movie has a lot of heart to it. I don't feel yeah. like this movie has that depth of of heart to it. Certainly not. Yeah. But I think Leighton Meester really shines. I think she's great. Yeah. I enjoy her arc the most, for sure. I would love, like, a little rom-com of her and Riley traveling uh, around Europe together. I want a rom-com with her and Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody? Adam Brody. Adam Brody? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's a crazy vibe between <laughs> Late Meester and Adrian Brody. <laughs> yeah, that is like fucking bonkers vibe. Yeah, no, I would love to see a Late Meester Adam Brody rom com. Have you ever seen the movie Life Partners? No, I haven't. I think that might be how they met, actually, because like it's Late Meester. Um, what the fuck is her name from Community? The blonde woman, oh, Jillian I, I Jacobs. Is that her name? Let me check you on that. Yes. Yeah. So it's Leighton Meester, Jillian Jacobs, and Adam Brody. And the plot of the movie is actually Leighton Meester is gay. She's a lesbian. And her best friend is Jillian Jacobs. And they're, like, super close. And then Jillian Jacobs starts dating Adam Brody. And then they become, like, less close because now she has a partner. And then it's like, oh, my God, I'm going through a crisis. Um, so that's, like, the the kind of premise of the movie. But it was enjoyable, and I would love to see Leighton and Adam do a little, little rom-com together because they had good banter in the movie from what I remember. Also, I see Greer Grammer is in this movie, which is crazy mm-hmm. because I remember liking her in Awkward, and then also her mom – or 
Her dad is her, Kelsey yes, Grammer. Sorry, her dad yeah. is Kelsey Grammer from <laughs> yeah. fucking from fucking Frasier. Her dad is Frasier. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah, insane. she plays um, <laughs> she plays one of Leighton Meester's girlfriends in that movie. So that tracks. She has a lesbian vibe. Yeah, for sure. I think that she has I forget her thing in awkward. Alyssa, she's like the she's Sadie's best friend. She's like Yeah, but a cheerleader. She's with Jake. She doesn't have like a weird she's never bisexual in that. I don't think so. Oh, you know what? Her dad admits that he's gay. Mm, yeah. But she's like religious. Mm-hmm. Wow. Anyways, what were we talking about? <laughs> Leighton Meester was great. <laughs> Leighton Meester is great in this. Yeah. 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 Um, I I love Selena, but I do think she left a little to be desired. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I just didn't – I really didn't find myself connect with Grace at all. I just couldn't really get invested in her storyline. Yeah, I agree. I think the best characters that Selena Gomez has played are honestly like more edgy characters Mm -hmm. like I think she does that very well and she has like this um pretty like like I think her character on Wizards of Waverly Place worked so well because she has this like ability to roast yeah other people they they let her lean into those comedic chops here they want her to be more like sweet and demure it's not really working no it just doesn't give me very much to go off of Mm -hmm. And I guess even in Murders in the Building, she's also quite edgy and like – Yeah, more yeah. deadpan and mm-hmm. yeah, she gets to be a little more sassy. But here it's just kind of like, meh. It's not a lot to Grace besides like, oh, she's a sweet girl with some dreams. Yeah. And she like she wears skinny jeans and that's about it. So. And cowboy boots, of course. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, Emma's character I think could have been a lot more interesting if they let her be. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think she has a – she seems happy in the end, so can't complain there, but <laughs> – Very mid. Yeah. Overall, just – I agree with a lot of the reviews where it's like, oh, there are some really nice moments, but ultimately it is pretty formulaic mm-hmm. and Hear me quite out. predictable. Different movie. It's just Meg and Emma, and they accidentally travel mm. – to Europe at the same time and rekindle their friendship, which was yeah. broken up because of some reason that we'll find out this time. And mm-hmm. one of them is mistaken for the heiress. And it's just like them rekindling their friendship. Yeah. I like that. They both are going to Europe and then, oh my God, there's a mistake at the hotel. They double booked them and now they have to stay in the same room. Oh, oh my God. God. And they're on the same tour. Forced proximity. Yeah. There we go. Mm-hmm. It's it, – we're – God, someone give us a movie. Let us write a movie. Someone and give me 20 million. <laughs> we will write a fucking banger for you, yeah. let me tell you. <laughs> but with that being said, should we rate this bad boy? Yeah. For me, it's going to be like a 5.5. Yeah. I was going to give it like a 6. Just because, you know, the vibes are fun. Vibes it's a nice one background movie if you want to feel like a european summer getaway i feel like this would be a nice movie in like a movie marathon lineup like if you were doing a european summer Mm -hmm. movie night with the gals 
Yes. You wanted to watch like Lizzie McGuire movie or Cheetah Girls 2 mm, or Sister yeah. of the Traveling Pants or like, you know, something like that. This I feel like would fit very nicely in that lineup because it's also like 2010s. It's a slightly different vibe, slightly different fashion than the early 2000s stuff. So I love that. Like a, a girly is going to Europe night. That would be a really fun theme sleepover. Like yeah. someone brings like a Greek inspired dish yeah. and someone brings like a italian inspired and like da, da, da. and it's an immersive experience you're tasting the screen <sighs> as you watch love um, there's your next sleepover everybody you're welcome uh, <laughs> come up with your menu <laughs> well thank you so much for listening we hope you enjoyed this first installment of pod girl summer yes if you would like to hear more you can always head over to our patreon you get an extra bonus episode every month and some cool other perks. And there's only one tier. It's just $5. And you get your, your tasty little fill of content. Yeah. And you can also listen to, obviously, all of our other back catalog Patreon episodes. We've done yeah, a ton cool. of great movies. So mm-hmm. definitely Miss check it out. Yeah. A little Spy Kids. A little Easy A. Pride and Prejudice, that was a big one. Mm-hmm. Titanic, that was a big one. <laughs> <So>. Huge. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> and if you want even more content, you can always follow us on Instagram. It's Movies That Raised Us. You can follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. You can follow us on TikTok at Movies That Raised Us pod. And you can always send us a good old-fashioned email at Movies That Raised Us at gmail.com. And we will see you next week for another movie. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina. And our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.